Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. There it is. Ghost. And this is Wonder Boo. Wonder Graveyard Fall. I'm your host, Griskeleton Finn. <laughs> Mackle McElroy. <laughs> And people are going to think this is a Halloween themed episode. As far as I know, it is not. It is not a Halloween themed episode. It is just the month that we st- It is October. Folks, we're fucking in it, man. Ooh. What? My dad's birthday's coming up. Uh-oh. Just remembered. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Here's the How did you walk me through how you got there? Was it something about your dad loves mummies? No, my dad has an early October birthday and anytime October starts, I have to like have right. that moment where I'm like, "Oh, we're getting there." You are getting there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, you know, put our heads together. What do you get for the man that has everything? Yeah. Um, don't say blues memorabilia. He's got it. He has it. No matter <laughs> what it is, he has that. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you remember last year I did October as one of my segments because we're just like, we're on that holiday creep now. Yeah. We're going to get, we're getting into the good stuff, baby. Put I all have those... been trying to force fall on Austin for several weeks now. Yeah. Uh, has not happened yet. No, and I've been trying to do my usual stuff, trying to block out the sun. Uh, I hired a fleet of blimps mm-hmm. to block out the sun and drop you, ice cubes on everyone. You bought all of those leaf blowers and positioned them at the trees. I, yeah, and I thought, this, sir, surely, this, but I just, uh, I got in trouble with the city for too many leaf blowers, which they didn't, mm-hmm. hey, hey, folks, send out a brochure or something, send out a pamphlet if that's a law now, okay? <laughs> I don't see why I have to go to jail for 10 years because I didn't know I'm you could just couldn't. saying, it says in the Constitution yeah. that every man should have the right to as many leaf blowers as he wants. A, a leaf blower is an arm, if you think about mm-hmm. it, and I have the right to bear it, so mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say about that. Do you have any small wonders? I do. What? Actually, I have two small wonders. Oh, shit. Uh, one is John Hodgman's new book. Oh, yeah. Medallion Status. What? I stole it from Griffin, <laughs> and I have been reading it aggressively. I'm 180 pages in. Yeah. John sent me an early copy. He was like, I want I want you to read this. I, I, tr- I treasure your opinion on this, Griffin. I was like, tight, yes, and I, I got it. We were on an airplane. Rachel's like, give me your fucking book. <laughs> she took it. She fashioned a shiv out of one of those Biscoff cookies, and she mm. said, give me that fucking book right God, now. If only we had flown Delta. Oh, God. Don't what even What a joke. sweet dream that would have been. Uh, what's your second thing? My second thing is the uh, unaired sketch that I shared with you today. Yeah. Uh, it's a cut for time sketch. Starring, from S- from SNL. <laughs> yes. Starring Bill Hader. Uh, I, th- I believe it's from at least four or five years ago. And it's just called Alan. And I noticed it because there was a, um, and I'm going to say GIF because I'm more comfortable saying that. Okay. Um. There was a gif on Twitter that was circulating of Bill Hader just kind of dancing in this kind of like sly, sarcastic way. Right. That people were using to like talk about things that they liked but didn't really like. Okay. Uh, And I was like, I got to see where that came from. And I watched the whole sketch today and it is incredible. He's like like a dancing robot man it's a it's a wild sketch yeah you should uh you should check it out uh, he, bill Hader just does a lot of sly dancing uh vanessa bayer bayer vanessa bayer it's pronounced bayer actually she's in it she's in uh, it uh and it's just it's a good sketch it's a good it's a i recommend it it's bill Hader does good work in it it is it is a sketch you know what i'm gonna say broccoli Ooh. 
Yeah, broccoli is a vegetable that I can really get behind. It shows up in a lot of, uh, you know, Asian rice bowl dishes, mm-hmm. and it just soaks up all that good flavor. Hate the stems, love the tops. Good old broccoli tops. Broccoli tops, Tennessee. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I like it. There's a lot of good things you can do with it. Roast it, give it a good, a good oh, char roast on it. it. Yeah, baby. That I, is a game changer. I, I still do some sous vide stuff. We're still doing sous vide around this house, and I'll do up a, you know, some salmon, or I'll do up a steak or something like that, and just roast some broccoli, throw some mm-hmm. garlic, and maybe a little bit of lemon juice on Ooh. there. Oof. Oof, that's a treat. Put some parm on top, Throw too. some parm on that's it. Why not? It. You've been good. <laughs> hey, what's your first big wonder? Ooh. Yeah. My first, appropriately, I didn't even think about this. It does relate slightly to- To broccoli? My small wonder. Oh. Mm-mm. Dancing. Oh. We hadn't really talked about dancing. Huh, yeah, this is sort of, because it's such a broad concept, but we have set no Well, we limits. talked, so I, one episode I brought- the fact that I like songs that have associated dances. Right. But I never talked about dances separately as a concept. Okay. Here's the thing about dancing. Right. I have two real, like, deep emotional connections to it. One, I took dance class basically from age three to age 17, um, pretty much regularly, but always in, like, a very, like, low-stakes community center kind of environment you weren't on some black swan shit when you were 10 years old no never did point you know all of my dance classes were a combination of like at least two styles of dance every right one and a half hour session right uh love it always loved it that was my sport second is when i knew that i was real into griffin Ooh, do tell we uh we've been dating a little over a month and we went dancing with a bunch of friends at barbarella oh barbarella and I saw I saw your moves. And I laid I just, it down. I had a real good time with you, and I thought I think I think I'm starting to maybe one day potentially fall in love with him. Yeah, <laughs> you gave me the bachelor sort of couching. Yeah, that was a that was a we didn't do that that often. We didn't go to that place that mm-hmm. often, but that was one of the best nights ever. Like that was such a fun that was such yeah. a fun night dancing. Man. Dancing is fun. You're right. I th- maybe <laughs> I'm glad I, I convinced you. Well, no, I'm, I'm. It's such a broad thing that I was like trying to figure out how it applied to me in my life. And we used to go to a dance uh, a dance mm-hmm. club in Huntington, like every Friday night for three years or so, and had just like the best time ever. It's, uh, it's just. It's always a good time if you are in a room full of people that are also dancing. Now, I will say if you've been in a dance environment and there are not other people dancing, it is very challenging. Yeah. Also, if you have not had anything to drink, also challenging. Yeah, for some folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a lot of benefits to dancing and there's a lot that we know about dancing through science. Okay. Do you want to hear about it? I do. Okay, so first, and the, the reason this came up to me is you mentioned through your beat sabering that you've been burning a lot of calories. Got back into it. Damn, it is a sweaty mess in here. There's a, a University of Brighton, uh, which is a institution in the UK. Uh, their study says that dancing can expend 300 calories every half hour. Wow, then I'm slacking off because I'm only getting <laughs> about 200 out of my beat sabering. I guess it's mostly upper body. What yeah. kind of dance are you burning 300 calories in? I think, that's a, I think that's when you're really like, you're full on. That's what crump, that's where crumping yeah. came mm-hmm. from. They Somebody was dancing and they were like, more calories, more calories. <laughs> uh, therapists have also prescribed dancing as therapy for those who suffer from social anxiety or fear of public speaking. Uh, the idea is that the more you're comfortable dancing in front of people, likely the more that comfortable. That is so interesting. You would be speaking or... 
you know? That's, I, I literally felt like I was mm-hmm. such an antisocial guy. And then we started, like all my friends started going to this dance club, Club Echo in Huntington. Mm-hmm. And I started going to that and I started to like, that's where I made like all of my yeah. college friends because I was like, well, if, as long as I'm not embarrassed about this, that's so interesting. There's also research to say that dancing can encourage social bonding mm-hmm. um, because you are in an environment uh, all dancing to the same music and it helps you feel a connection and sameness with the people that you are with. Well, especially if you're doing the bump and grind. <laughs> that's a connection. Who? I'm not prepared to talk about that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to. Are you trying to think of the last time? We've never bumped in. We've been together for almost what? For a long time now. I'm pretty like sure eight, that's something that you, you give up in your 20s. Yeah, we don't need to bump and grind anymore. <laughs> um, dancing uh, also has been shown to positively impact mental health. Uh, for adolescent females that took dance classes, they had more positive thoughts and more confidence after dancing. Um, here, this is interesting. So there are. Researchers have studied what the most uh, appealing way to dance is in both men and women. What? This, this, I love this so much. And if you look for this study, so this is a study done by the University of Northumbria. And so if you look for it, you can see little um, 3D images of the most appealing dance. Ideal sexual dance? Mm -hmm. So in 2017, researchers used 3D motion capture to record 39 dancers uh, and turn their movements into computer generation generated avatars. So these video clips were then watched and rated for dance quality by 57 men and 143 women. Do you want to know what was the most determined? popular dance? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know how you put that in words. The study concluded <laughs> that there are three types of dancing that contribute to top female moves. Greater hip swing... More asymmetric movement of the thighs. Asymmetric <laughs> movement of so the like thighs? So like a different, you know, like you're not doing the same thing. You're not doing like the the, the Tootsie Roll or whatever you're like, you're doing. <laughs> you are doing the Tootsie Roll sitting down right now. And I've never been more attracted to you. Um, and finally, uh, intermediate levels of asymmetric movements of the arms. I couldn't follow it. I didn't follow that. Do you sentence. want me to show it to you? Yeah. You can see this animated, too, if you were to search for it. Okay, I'll try to describe what Rachel's doing. So she's scooting back in her office chair. Are you going to stand up? Oh, damn. Okay, let's see. So you're... Oh, right. Okay, so she's doing the thing where she kind of puts one hand up, and she's just kind of swaying to the music, and the one hand is just like doing a queen's way. <laughs> that was hot. Yeah, well, yeah. thank you. Uh, do you want to know what? It yeah, is what do for I men? need to be doing? Okay, so this number one skanking it to some ska <laughs> punk. Now I haven't seen videos of the men movement because this was done back in 2014 when I'm guessing 3D motion capture was not as advanced. Right, and our science was a little bit more gender normative <laughs> than it is. In so yeah, so this study was judged only by women, and they discovered that quote large variable movements of the head, neck, and torso. Oh my god, made that's a man da- more attractive. It's fucking dancing, like you just <laughs> described all dance. Wait, as well as bending and twisting of the right knee. <laughs> Don't get that left knee out there. Nobody wants it. Just the right. Okay, now you describe. Is there more? No. Okay, I'm going to try and do this. Okay, so let me me say it again. Large variable movements of the head, neck, and torso. (laughs) 
as well as bending and twisting of the right knee. Describe it. Uh, Griffin looks like he has a rock in his shoe. Um, and also he's using his arms as if he were holding ski poles. <laughs> There's a lot of wiggling, too. Ow! I've made a terrible mess of things. Um. So yeah, I I would encourage if you're curious to see what this dance looks like yourself, you can search. Again, this is the University of Northumbria. This is a 2017 study. Um, Video clips of 39 women's dance styles rated for dance quality. Catch it. Uh, Do you want to know my first thing? Yes. (sighs) I'm a little exhausted. (laughs) Uh, My first thing is what I am calling the holy triumvirate of hotel TV. When I travel quite a bit these days, folks, and... Oh, I'm always curious what you watch, because I know what I watch. Right, it, it, and I think the answer is the same for every single person in our age bracket. I'm not even necessarily... When I talk about these these television networks, I'm not even talking about, like, I love the programming, or, uh, you know, I actually watch the programming on a day-to-day non-hotel basis. I'm talking about when I'm scanning through the hotel TV, there's three channels that never let me down. It's HGTV, Food Network, and Travel Channel. Yes, yes, yes. Travel Channel's on the bubble. Food Network and HGTV mostly. Yeah, for sure. You know what I think it is? I think it's because the shows are basically the same. So if you like right. one show, you more than likely will like other ones. And they just rotate different people Like out. being the key word there. I think that these this triumvirate of TV networks is like the TV equivalent of like... I'll stick with water for now. Thanks. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good illusion or comparison. Yeah. When, when I have time to spare and I'm in a hotel environment, I like it's late and I just got comfy and I want to watch some TV. Like I feel slightly unmoored because we have like cable at our house, but we never, ever, ever watch it. No, live. We got it mainly for the DVR. And so we we never just like turn it on. Right. It's all on demand. So now I'm faced with a million strange channels with programming. I don't know. Schedules. I don't know. Yes. Channel numbers. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And I'm a very anxious person. And so when I have this free time at a hotel where I'm not like prepping for a show or uh, you know, about to run out to to make a call time or anything like that, like I start to get a little panicked that I'm not going to spend that time well. I'm not going to spend <laughs> that free, relaxing time efficiently. You got to get in that bathtub, baby. That's what I do. Maybe, yeah. Really, just pretend like you don't have a bathtub at home. <laughs> well, I have, can I tell you this? I have yeah. a schedule that I like swear to. Okay. It is gospel to me. Okay. And it is that, and it makes me fresh for every show. I'll have lunch and then uh, our call time is usually 4, 4.30, and I will lunch, nap, shower, and head right out the door. Like, out of the shower, right out the door. And I feel so fresh the whole night. I save my shower time until right before I'm about to go to the show. <laughs> so I can't take a bath earlier. Anyway, if I'm flipping around, I'm going through an ocean of ESPNs and C-SPANs and a bunch of garbage, I don't know. And then yeah. as soon as I hit Food Network or HGC or Travel, mm-hmm. they're usually right next to each other in the little home economics block. Yeah, I love that shit, and it's going to have something on it. I don't really like Chopped all that much, but I'll watch every episode of Chopped no. that you got on your shelf. Uh-huh. I'll watch a, a Halloween you know, cupcake baking tournament for children. Like We did when we went to Disney 
uh, every night after Henry would go to bed, we would kind of find our way to Chopped, it seemed like. Find our way to Chopped, and then Chopped would turn into Good Eats. Oh, fuck with Good Eats. Yeah, yeah, why not? Diners, drive-ins, and dives. The shines come off that particular apple for Rachel, but I still <laughs> am down to clown with Guy Fieri and all his things. I'll even go with him on Guy's Grocery Games. I don't give a shit. Fucking House there's Hunters. There's a fine line, though, where the formula turns on you, right? Okay. Like, there, it's definitely comforting, but if I watch enough of it, I start to resent the formula. I start to like resent the way each episode follows the same pattern. And then, I, then I've got I've to move on. You're talking about the Triple D right now? I'm talking about all those shows, all those okay. like Food Network and, and HGTV shows. It's just like, you know, you kind of know how it's going to work. And that's right. comforting at first. And then it starts to feel real well, stifling. That's the, th- that's the thing. It's just for a little bit. It's just oh, for a little bit. Okay. And then, you know, I'm out of the hotel. I'm doing my own. I'm doing some more shit. And when I come home, I don't watch these channels. I can't stress that enough. When I'm at home, I never watch these channels mm-hmm. ever. It's just my little hotel snack. I turn it on. There's chopped. There's like, you got this brisket, this chocolate cake, these pickled yams, and my own fingernails. Turn it into <laughs> a picnic lunch. We tried to watch a little bit of Shark Tank. Uh at Disney, and I got real angry about that too, if I remember yeah. correctly. Well, it wasn't on the triumvirate, was it? <laughs> it's fair. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't know. As my, as I become, as I am an older gentleman, and my leisure time is more limited, I like knowing that when I'm in a strange place, I have this weird little security blanket, and I can turn it on. And and you also don't like. There's no. Uh, linear story from episode to episode so unlike if you're scrolling past like a tnt or a usa you don't have to worry about right. like oh i'm not familiar with this plot line or even if i am familiar with it it's highly unlikely that i've tuned into the exact episode that i was needed to watch uh-huh. what am i gonna do watch an episode i've already seen or skip a mm-hmm. few episodes no i will watch somebody make a picnic lunch <laughs> out of uh you know a rice krispie tree and, and a spider and a spider <laughs> I have a theory. I didn't look up any science on this because that'd be fucking wild. But I have a theory about why I find these so comforting and why. These were the channels you were thinking of when I was talking about hotel comfort food, right? Yeah. I think it's because of Laszlo's pyramid of desire. Hierarchy of needs. (laughs) Laszlo's pyramid of desire, please, was the original working Mm -hmm. title of it. Mm -hmm. Where we just want some food and some shelter and some water parks. (laughs) We need that to survive. And here are these three channels here to show it to us. Okay. And then you just stop going up the pyramid at a certain point. At a certain point you stop because you got tired. (laughs) It's a pyramid, folks. Pyramid climbing's not on the pyramid. So (laughs) whatever, man. Hey, can I steal you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis, um, website design or website functionality. And you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you can, you can sell 
sell uh, your time? Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible. That's um th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling, anything is possible. In the wow. Background. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Can I read a personal message for you? Only if it's for Tim. It is for Tim. Then you may proceed. It's from Liz, and the message is, what I think is wonderful is you. Swiping right on the cute, shy nerd who liked podcasts was the best decision I've ever made. I'm still in awe that I get to be yours, and I'm so thankful for our little family. Here's to a future full of packed lunches, pep talks, big beds, Gerbert voices, and learning to love ourselves and each other better every day. That's so sweet. That's very sweet. It's also a pretty tricky needle to thread, I think, to present yourself as a shy nerd who likes podcasts and get that good, good right swipe on the Tinder is the one that swipes. I think so. Yeah. I mean, more might swipe now. Who knows? You know what this made me want, though, Hmm. is for you to pack me lunches. Oh, shit. Okay. What do you like? I can make a ham one, sandwich. Do you like wheat thins? I'll throw some wheat thins in there. Why are you naming things we don't actually have in the house right now? We have old wheat thins. We do have old wheat thins. We have really old wheat thins. Folks, you would not believe the age of these wheat thins. <laughs> they, they could drive themselves to work. They could. They are. They are <laughs> responsible drinkers, these wheat thins. I have another message here from mom, and it's from Parker, who says, Hi, mom. It's Parker. I just wanted to say through your favorite podcast that I love you so incredibly much and that I'm sorry for always making you late. I promise I'm working on it. You mean the world to me. And thanks for being the best parent ever and supporting me through my transition. I love you so much. Now that's a good mom. That's a real good mom. That's a slam dunk mom. Hear all the time that a lot of folks can share this podcast with their parent, and that's that's real. That is sweet. Yeah, it's so sweet, and it makes me think that there's some, you know, hip parents out there that know all the cool teen lingo. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely what it is. (laughs) Like us, Macho Man to the top rope, the flying elbow, the cover. We've got a new champion! We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? 
I'm gonna go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast. Oh yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man, and jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices, myself excluded. Yeah. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Thursdays on Maximum Fun. Oh yeah, dig it. Do you want to know my second thing? More than anything. Googly eyes. Is that your second thing? <laughs> no, I, I'm... Are you anti-googly eye? I'm a little bit over it. Oh, no, Griffin. I'm what a, happened? Who hurt you? The googly man. You know there is actually a googly man? I know there is. He hurt me. <laughs> um, I love googly eyes, and here's why. So I like personifying inanimate objects. Right. It's just something I've always been big on. You, you remember when I brought that like faces Twitter account? Right, sure. Mm-hmm. The googly eye makes this so possible for anybody. You just go to a craft store, you get those like adhesive googly eyes, you stick them on a stapler. Oh, and now it's your friend's stapler and you're not alone. <laughs> All right. So there's a, there's a more layers to this, it seems like. <laughs> what I used to do, so when in my, in my younger days, when I was a little bit of a prankster, uh, at the job I worked at, I would I would spread googly eyes all over the building and in my friends' little cubicles, and I'd put them on their phones and on their computer mouse, and it was just like a fun little like, "Hey, I'm brightening your day" kind right. of gesture. Uh, and I still enjoy it to this day. I don't practice as much as I used to, <laughs> <laughs> but I still see the value in it, and I support others that do. Yeah, uh, I, su- I, I support you. This was, uh, I will say this happened a lot on the Joko cruise that we went on, yeah. which, by the way, hey, just announced we're going on the- We're doing it again. We're doing it again in 2020, and we're uh, we're very much looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, there were Google eyes all over, and that was fun. There was a lot of fun yeah. treasure hunting on the boat. Uh, but one time, our friends put googly eyes on like an old, old thing of syrup that I had in our, in our spice like <laughs> drawer uh-huh. that was there for like a year, uh-huh. and- as we were like packing up to move out, uh, I saw it with the googly eyes and I felt betrayed. Like, how long have you been there? <laughs> These googly eyes have been here for so long and they knew they were here and I didn't. And that makes me seem I like a real- I think that's when the plant stayed at our house oh, when we were in ben. Japan so for the our honeymoon. freaking culprits. So this is like over a year later. <laughs> the prestige. Uh, here's the history of googly eyes. And okay. I'm not 100% on this, but this is what I found. There was an artist named Billy DeBeck and he created a comic that he called Barney Google and Snuffy Smith. And his characters had these big eyes, and he decided to create a craft product to make it a way of further promoting the comic strip. So the culmination of the work came in 1923 when he developed a song for Barney Google, which you can find online, uh, and it's called Barney Google with Your Goo Goo Glue Eyes. Um, Drifts, drips right off the tongue. <laughs> goo, goo, googly. Nice. I have like five questions. Mm-hmm. Did this Google? Is, did this go- is 1923, by the way. Okay, so Google just fully stole the name then from Barney Google. Just like fully took it. I mean, possibly. I always thought googly eyes was a descriptor of the craft product and not a name. Yeah, not but th- think about where would the word googly like... That's not an intuitive word for describing eyes. 
these particular eyes, I think. <laughs> if you looked at these eyes and Barney Google never, you know, what was else a do thing. you describe in your life as googly? Um, I mean, my favorite search engine, Google. <laughs> um, I couldn't find any any certainty with this, but it's kind of the earliest known uh, listing of googly as a word. And so it seemed only natural that the googly eyes sure. would come from these cartoon characters with the big eyes. Uh, here's another thing I found. Uh, googly eyes took uh, like a global phenomenon when the googly eyes foundation formed. And and I think this may be extinct now because I haven't found a lot of activity since 2017. Hmm. But they uh, would take donations and then fund projects all over the world to place googly eyes in in public spaces. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be something, (laughs) (laughs) you know, good for mankind or whatever. No, no, no. No, okay. So we're not curing anything. Okay, good. Um, Boredom. So so people used to be able to go on this website and just request a packet of googly eyes to do like, you know, street art all over the place. Um, there were artists in Bulgaria that were taking advantage of this as members of the Googly Eye Foundation. And so they would find oddly shaped trees and cracks in the sidewalk and they would put googly eyes on it. I like that, actually. Yeah. And so this is what I really appreciated. So um, they called this eye bombing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds out of context. That sounds awful. It does sound awful. Um, but there is an Instagram account, so you can still see some of this early work from the Googly Eyes Foundation. Hmm. Um, I I just this is like an example. You know when people would put those little like yarn crocheted things around lamp posts. Uh huh. I just I like this kind of like out in the wild art you know that's yeah. just kind of like there's no purpose for it it's just nice it just kind of brightens your day see a googly eye on a fire hydrant and you just think well that's a funny little guy <laughs> <laughs> what's your name little, little mister yeah it's nice you full of water pressure you know, help fight a fire later look at you Oh, I bet you've seen a doggy or two, huh? Also, those of you that haven't seen the Christopher Walken sketch called the Googly Eyes Gardener, uh, he puts a bunch of googly eyes on cactuses. It's it's, it's quite good. Great. Yes. It's great. And of course, Stick Stickly repping those googly eyes. Yeah. And to an extent, Cookie Monster. And to an extent, Cookie Monster. Put some googly eyes. Still don't know how those work. How does the pupil move around the sphere? No one knows. No one knows. It's like a non-Euclidean object mm-hmm. that, they, that they've whipped up there. On the, on the street. Can I hear your second thing? My second thing is a movie. I never do these, but I was reading about uh, like a 20 year anniversary of this movie. And it just reminded me like, hey, I really like this movie. The movie is The Truman Show. This movie beats ass. Oh. It's just a good as heck movie. It is good. I remember the first time I saw it, I walked away like thinking like, wow, that's a, that's a good movie. And also that was the man who makes his butt talk in the Ace Ventura's. <laughs> And he didn't he didn't really go quite as hard in this one. I feel like that's where he started to twist it a little bit. That's like right before he did that's right before Jim Carrey did uh Man on the Moon. Uh and like he was like, I can be I can be a serious actor. It's not all butt talking, folks. Uh <laughs> but the Truman show is a good movie. And reading about this, uh Vanity Fair did like a twenty year postmortem. It came out in nineteen ninety eight. So this article came out uh last year and like interviewed everybody who was in it. And when I mean everybody who's in it, I'm talking about fucking Laura Linney crushing it. Ed talking Harris. about Ed Harris crushing yeah. it. Uh Jim Carrey and Ed Harris won Golden Globes for their roles, and I yeah. think Ed Harris was not 
nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Mm. Uh, the movie had three Oscar nominations. I didn't realize it was like, you know, critically well received in its time. I always thought it was just kind of a, you know, a weird dramedy with Jim Carrey mm-hmm. in it when it came out. But uh, you and I recently rewatched it, right? Like, didn't we rewatch it like last year or something like that? It seems possible, although I don't know why we would have. It was it showed up on Stars or something like that, and we were like, "Hey, yeah, let's just watch the Truman Show and see what happens." And it holds up. Um, so there are an infinite number of lenses through which to like look at this movie as being like profoundly prophetic for the 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 future that we live in now, uh, and we'll talk about that. But like. I just think it's a good movie, uh, even without all of the commentary on reality television culture that it like predated just barely. Yeah. Uh, it's if you've never seen it, Jim Carrey plays a guy named Truman Burbank and he's just an average dude. He lives in a town called Sea Haven Island. Uh, but that town is actually like a high tech film set where everybody inside it is an actor and it's just this big dome and the ceiling is a screen that projects the sky. Uh, and there's, you know, thousands of hidden cameras everywhere and everybody just watches this uh, this person who was adopted by this corporation when he was a baby grow up without knowing he's in a TV show. Yeah, that was unnecessary. Everybody knows what the Truman Show is about, right? Uh, maybe not. Uh, well, because it's become sort of a part of the conscious, like somebody saying there, there is a psychological condition called like the like Truman Truman Show yes. uh, condition, and it's a super super rare thing uh, that is like real and you know obviously kind of horrific where people actually believe that this is true. Um, but obviously, in the movie, it is a a, a light sci fi romp. Exactly. That's my favorite kind of sci-fi is those light romps. When I was writing about this, I realized like this movie and Groundhog Day actually have a lot in common. Yeah, like I like do. a gentle sci-fi morality play, which yes. is kind of what the both yes. of these are. Let me tell you about a show called Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, you just like get to see how this like TV show works and go behind the scenes. And then you start to see Truman figure it out. And then the movie starts to take on kind of a madcap tone. I didn't know this. Robin Williams was originally slated to play oh. Truman Burbank, which would have been great too. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, director, who was Peter Weir, uh, he he saw Ace Ventura and saw Jim Carrey and thought he had like some Charlie Chaplin energy. Yeah, and I see that. Uh, and so he he put him in the movie. And I think that like that's a great choice because as he starts to realize what's going on, he has this full blown like. A slapstick collapse as he like tests the limits of this yeah. fictional world well, that is and so if you great think about it like the casting for that is kind of great because like as you mentioned people kind of knew jim carrey as this like entertainer who really just existed to make people laugh right and so to put him in this role is kind of like a nice transition of like here's this character who's existing for other people and right we get to like see who he really is Shit, this was the, this must have been right before eternal sunshine also which Man. No, I think it was several years before Eternal Sunshine. I think it was maybe like I'm trying to remember. I saw Eternal Sunshine when I was like in high school. Yeah, this would have been several years mm-hmm. before Eternal Sunshine. Man, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Damn, we need to do a, a, a Michelle Gondry deep dive on this yeah, one. Yeah, I don't know if those hold up, though. I'm hesitant. Uh, <laughs> they're on like every streaming service. Let's let's dip in. I'm okay. curious. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, so like in this, in this Vanity Fair piece, basically everybody is reflecting on the this movie came out a year before big brother debuted oh, on tv yeah they had to have like picked that up a little bit from this movie maybe maybe but like it is 
uh, it predated just barely like reality TV. It obviously predated by a, a, a you know, a decade or so the idea of social media. Yeah. Uh, and so in this Vanity Fair piece, they're all reflecting on like how how wild it is that they made this movie about running away from cameras that are documenting your life, which is the opposite of kind of the norm today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't want to go all Banksy, like everybody's just obsessed with their phones. Everybody's so obsessed with themselves and looking looking at your phones. You should look up at the trees, folks. Look at the face of your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't think necessarily the movie was saying that either, uh, back when it came, back when it came out, like all we had to talk about, like in this sort of vein was paparazzis and obsessed, obsession with stardom and stuff like that. Yeah, And also it just spoke to something really fundamental about like having these relationships with people and you just realize that you have like a fundamental misunderstanding of what your connection with them is. Like when I saw this as like a teen, it just reminded me of like having a lot of these teenage friendships where all of a sudden you look and realize like, oh, they're not on my side at all. Right. Like we were never the friends I thought we were. So there's something about this movie, like the, even though it was like a kind of a science fiction-y premise, it was like, oh yeah, I get that. But it also like cast the people who are making this show as these like, uh, you know, Machiavellian, yeah. like uh, power obsessed monsters uh, and also like really makes a big deal out of how like fake and bullshit this world is. Uh, I love when we rewatched it, uh, which I remember we definitely did the amount of product placement that is in the movie and the way that it is so like they actually don't make a huge deal out of it, except when it's like made as a joke. But like in every single shot, there is something uh, there is some sort of product placement uh, around it. Like it is it is portrayed as not necessarily the best thing. It is kind of portrayed as like kind of a uh, a terrible fate that has befallen Truman Burbank. And it again, like just preceded like this influx of all reality television which obviously we are not above we cut our teeth on that shit with this podcast uh but it it is just it is weird how uh how very close to that genre of television becoming like the biggest genre in television this movie was like it's like if Nostradamus was like yo next year uh check it out uh we're gonna invent the the horse-drawn carriage or whatever. <laughs> it's not necessarily I the really best I thought example. you were going to call like the next big piece of technology right here on our very little podcast. No, no. I was trying to think of what like Nostradamus would have been, but then I realized that I have no fucking idea when that dude was alive <laughs> and really don't really know who he uh, is, especially uh, I don't know who he is. I don't know much about anything. Uh, anyway, I just, I like this. I like the movie a lot. Me too. And, I think that it's a fun watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I like about it is how conflicted I get when I watch it because, like, the whole back half of the movie is Jim Carrey's character trying to, like, escape this fake world and trying to, like, uh, get yeah. out of it. And, and seeing the producers kind of try and identify ways to keep him in it. Right. And seeing, but, like, when I watch it, I'm conflicted because I'm like, but this is such a, like, a neat concept and I don't want you to like if you leave then the TV show ends, which is like exactly what everybody watching the TV show inside of the movie is doing and uh-huh. so you feel like super guilty about it it's really well done it's a really good yeah. movie y'all and yeah. also it almost killed Jim Carrey I didn't know this when I was researching I it at the very end like he's he's trying to escape and he is 
uh, on a boat that capsizes in in the ocean, oh. and uh, there was like a hand signal that Jim Carrey was supposed to. He's like wearing a wool sweater and like yeah. clothes and stuff like that, and so he went under when the boat capsized, and there were divers, safety divers down there, and they just didn't see his hand signal, his like distress signal, uh, oh. and so like he hit the bottom of the tank and like just barely pushed himself out and almost drowned. Oh my god! And he was upset about. It. Apparently, there was some friction again, much like Groundhog Day. There was some friction between Jim Carrey and Peter Weir throughout this movie because Jim Carrey again had rewrite power just like just like uh, Bill Murray did on Groundhog Day. Wow. wow, there's so many similarities. Wow, Griffin, looks like you have to go to graduate school. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> write a whole thesis on this. I don't want to go to graduate school, baby. Do <laughs> I sorry, have to? I'm sorry, you have to. Oh man. Anyway, Truman Show. Good one. Good mm-hmm. flick. Mm-hmm. Good flick. I like that. What do our friends Glad he didn't like? die. If he had died, we wouldn't have gotten Dumb and Dumber 2. And that's something that one's so funny. What, what Better it? than the original, I think. Michael what? says, <laughs> I love a good sandwich that comes with a dip or a sauce on the side. You get the exact amount of sauce you want with each bite and no soggy bread. Yeah. French I, dip. You know, I have never done a French dip. You're kidding me. I don't really know how it works. You what do you, what is the sandwich and what are you dipping it in? It's usually roast beef and what do you dip it in? Some horseradish mostly, maybe, and oh. some like a you know uh, a provolone maybe melted on there, and then oh. you dip it in au jus. Au jus. Okay. What is au jus? Uh, the juice. I don't know. It's the juice, I guess. <laughs> it's the good. That's uh, French for the good juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma says something I find wonderful is trolley tours. I love being able to ride around a city and learn a bit, little bit about its history while also enjoying a breeze because the windows on the trolley are so wide and open. You feel refreshed and just a little more knowledgeable about uh, once the tours are done. Never been on a trolley tour. Never been on a bus tour, I don't think. You know what? We did ride the trolley in New Orleans, if I remember, but and we were just packed in there. That was a there. survival. We were just packed in there so tight. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. That was really... We were there during Mardi Gras. We went like way out to the World War II Museum, and there were no like cabs or... This was pre-Lyft and Uber. And so we had to pack into one little one little trolley. It was not breezy or educational. But this sounds great. Meg says, My small wonder this week is when airplane pilots point out landmarks to the passengers as the plane passes over them. Something about seeing places like the Grand Canyon or Yosemite from the air is pretty magical. I also love the sudden sense of camaraderie that brings the airplane cabin as everyone peers out the window and points it out to one another. I've never, ever, ever had this happen. (laughs) Ever. Not once. Never. Me neither. But it's possible we just don't fly in areas where this would be... Hmm. happening as much possibly i mean every no. time i fly to la i like looking out the window at the the mountains you know yeah. the mountains as we fly over them but what's or, the pilot gonna do just be like hey, hey there's some badass mountains outside some folks cool mountains guys <laughs> i think i see a goat and a bear oh cool it's also possible this has happened and we were not paying attention entirely possible yes <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's it. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for these for our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And Maximum Fun, thanks for having us on the network. Yeah, thank you, Maximum Fun, for hosting our show and lots of other great shows. Um, I would recommend, if you have not checked it out yet, and you like films like The Truman Show, but even worse, and significantly worse, The Flophouse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe they did. What's the movie he did like last year that was like a so terrible dark crime? I think it was called Dark Crimes. I I was going to say it's a dark crime thriller that was apparently abysmal and he was in it. I think it was called Dark Crimes. I bet they've done that one. Anyway, 
That's a bad movie. And uh, the number 23. Wow. Okay. Actually, he was in a lot of bad movies. Yeah. But that's okay because he did Truman Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's probably it, right? Go to McElroy.Family. We got some new merch. We're working on some wonderful merch now. Hopefully going to have that up next month. I promise. And um, I mean, what else can you say? You wanna, Should you I take him out with one of my dances? I think I've been thinking about it in my head what it's supposed to look like. So maybe we could do it again and you can You want me to describe it? it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Griffin is standing. He's moving both legs, favoring the right one though. Oh, he's just rolled up his right pant leg and is really wiggling that knee back and forth. I need to see some head and neck movement. Um, He looks like he's going down a... (laughs) A ski jump. He's got his arms behind him. His head's very low. What's up? <laughs> He's very close to me. Now. You come here off. <laughs> Let me buy you a drink. <laughs> What's up? You come here with your friends? <laughs> this is how we fall in love. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. The Greatest Generation is a Star Trek podcast that destigmatizes the very idea of having a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> We're Ben and Adam, the hosts of The Greatest Generation, and the technology we've developed is that nobody knows what you're playing in your earbuds. You know, with legalization, it's easier than ever to find out what's in your buds. <laughs> but we suggest that you legally find The Greatest Generation wherever you download your podcasts. We'll send it to you in a discreet, unmarked package, <laughs> and nobody has to know but us. That's The Greatest Generation, the Star Trek podcast that you didn't know you needed, yet makes you feel like you belong.